0: Church family, it's an honor to be here today. It's an honor to minister the word of God to the family. Um, first of all, I want to say the time of worship was amazing. It was outstanding. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to make it through. I'm going to make it through. And today we're going to talk about how we make it through. We're going to talk about how we thrive in this walk with the Lord. First thing I'm going to say, though, is I know I'm standing here speaking, and I know you're sitting there listening to me, but you have a part to play in this as much as I have a part to play in this. Together, we are believing to hear from the Lord. Together, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to us as a church. Please understand that in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, Paul asked the church of Ephesus to pray that he would receive utterance to boldly preach the word. So your faith has as much of a part to play as my faith and my preparation. So we're gonna join our faith together and belief to hear from the Lord. Remember, you're not listening to me, you're listening through me, okay? You're helping believe with me so that the Lord can say what he needs to say through me so that the church can do what it needs to do, okay? So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your precious written word. I thank you for your spoken word. I thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to the church today. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to answer questions that people had coming in. I thank you, Lord, that each and every single person here today leaves with something they didn't come with. And I thank you, Lord, that you are giving us direction, you are giving us vision, and you are giving us purpose to accomplish your plans in the earth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about the message called Good Company. If you've been with us for a while, you would know that every single year we do a message about the church. Last year, we shared a message called Belong. So we've done this message for around two years. And uh, there's extra pressure on me today because... It used to be Rafi's favorite message until Pastor Matt shared love like Jesus last month. And then Rafi said that his new favorite message was love like Jesus. So now there's a bit of pressure on me. I'm joking, I'm joking. Competition, competitiveness is not a fruit of the spirit, just so you know. <laughs> but what we talked about and what we try to do is answer that question up there. Where do I belong? And that's the question that we asked in order to come to the conclusion of what the plan of God was, which is the church. The plan of God in the world is the church. We see this in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through to 11, that God revealed the mystery of his plan and revealed it through the church so that the church can go and reveal who God was to the world. So everything that God has planned, has planned it through the church. That is the plan of God. So we talked about, what is the church? We talked about why the church. And we talked about this key word, which is the word ecclesia, which Jesus first used in Matthew chapter 16, which talks about an assembly of believers who are called together with purpose and with authority to accomplish a plan. I don't want to go through this message again, but what I do want to say is that it's available on Facebook, it's available on YouTube, it's available on Instagram. So go back and watch it, it'll really bless you. If last year's question was where do I belong, this year's question is who do I belong with? That's what we're asking during Good Company and that's what we're trying to answer. I, I said something last year in this message which is your relationships are as important as your results. What do I mean by that? I mean that God does everything in the world through relationships and God does everything in the world through fellowship. He has not called us to be alone. He's called us to be part of his plan and part of something bigger. If you want to think about this, think about the first time you ever heard the gospel. Think about the first time you ever heard the message preached. It was preached through someone. I can remember the first time I heard this. I never knew God. And... At some point, Roy came along and started talking to me about Jesus, about the truth. And uh, for those of you who know Roy, at that time, it wasn't the smoothest thing. You know, There was a bit of mind renewal needed, necessary, to be a little, a little more gentle. But the message came across, thank God, and I'm here. Um, and probably for each and every single person, you have the same kind of experience. Sure, you know Jesus. You have a personal relationship with him. But that started through someone introducing him to you, right? We're never here alone. We're always working together to reach the world. This is what we talk about at Go Church. So this is why I say our, our relationships are as important as our results. And our relationships will determine our results. This is the key scripture that I, uh, I want us to cover today. Before we read it, I want to talk about the context. This is in Acts chapter 4. This is in the early church. Uh, After Jesus was resurrected and the Holy Spirit came and filled the apostles, and uh, the apostles went out and started preaching the word, and all those who believed and were baptized received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they were joined to the church. They were joined to this larger community. And for this, there was religious persecution on the apostles. And at some point the, uh, the Jewish leaders took in Peter and John to question them. And to ask them what they're doing. Of which they did not shy away. They were very bold, very brave. Declaring the truth and not shying away from it. And this is what happened after they were let go. And being let go, they, Peter and John, went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. We'll come back to this in a bit, but the main point I wanted to say is that they had their own company. They had people to go back to, and they had a a unit, a fellowship of believers who would help them and strengthen them. If you read on, you see that this unit of believers prayed with them and strengthened them and prayed for boldness to preach the world. So this is what we need. We all need good company. What I do want to talk about, whoop, I'm having some technical issues, apologies. So these are the three main points that we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna try to introduce these today, but the goal is not for me to introduce everything and to teach everything in one shot. The goal is for us to study this out over the month in the podcasts and our grow groups. Most of our meetings, don't look like this. Most of our meetings look like small groups where we get together and we experience discipleship, we experience fellowship and we grow together and we study the word of God together. So number one, we all have good company on the inside. Number two, we all, have, we all should have and God has designed for us to have good company on the outside. And number three, good company leads to good results. This leads me to this question or this point. Uh, I don't want to loosely use these words, relationship versus fellowship, okay? Relationship is when two or more people have a connection, when they know each other. Fellowship is when two or more people walk together. They have common values, they have common vision and they have common purpose. In fellowship, we don't only know each other, but we walk together. So let me use the example of Roy and I. Before we were both born again, our parents were friends, right? We had a relationship. We lived in the same area. We used to play tennis together, right? Whatever, whatever else we did, we used to eat like a whole bunch of Mongolian food. Trust me, it's amazing. And we just had a relationship because we had a connection, But when we both entered the church and we both started serving the Lord, we received values that were common, but we also received vision and we received purpose. And now we're walking in a certain direction. So together we have fellowship. So just think about it this way. Relationship is knowing each other. Fellowship is walking together. So since you guys saw this slide, I'll talk about it. Who here has watched Lord of the Rings? Most people, except for my wife. I'm still trying to convince her. Can someone convince her to watch it with me, please? Thanks, Katie. Awesome. So this is a, a movie. The, uh, the author is actually a Christian. And it's just a, it's, it's quite, it's a fantasy movie, but there is a, a broad storyline where there is a ring of power that belongs to an evil person, an evil force. And at some point, there is a group of people who come together and understand that there is a common purpose and a common value and a common vision that we need to destroy this ring, otherwise it's going to destroy the world. So this is why the first movie is called The Fellowship of the Ring. And there's actually a scene here which is a, a council where all people from all places and all different backgrounds come together around a common purpose. And that common purpose is to join together, bring your strengths together, and accomplish the plan that was set out before us. It's not a plan that one person had on their own or another person had on their own. It's a common plan that they had in common in order to fulfill that's what fellowship looks like. They went from knowing each other in a relationship to coming together around a plan and a purpose and to walk through that and to get it done. So that is a picture of fellowship. Fellowship is, um, is defined in the Bible as koinonia. Koinonia means to hold something together to hold something in common. So turn to your neighbor and say, we hold something in common. We hold something in common. We're walking together to accomplish a certain plan. We talked about where that plan is revealed last year and the year before. And now we're talking about how these relationships that come together work and how we can accomplish that plan through fellowship. So let me go into point number one, which is good company on the inside. JP shared, it was an amazing time of communion. Thank you, JP, for that. You talked about sin, and you talked about the fact that we are separated from God. Let me go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we see that God created man in his own image, in his own likeness. We also see in the first three chapters of Genesis that God had a relationship with man. He would walk in the cool of the day looking for Adam because they usually had this relationship and this connection and this enjoyment together. That's relationship. But in creation, what did, what did God say? He said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God created us for fellowship. God had a specific plan for us to accomplish as humankind, as mankind. God had a co-working, fellow worker plan for us. We are co-laborers according to what God has called us to do. We co-labor with him, and we co-labor with each other to accomplish his plan. As, uh, as JP mentioned, there was a separation because of sin. So sin separated us from God. We lost our fellowship, and we lost our relationship. And God found us a solution in his mercy and his kindness and his love. And that was through Jesus Christ. So he sent his only son to the earth, to live as a man under the law, to fulfill the law, to accomplish everything possible. He was tempted at all points, just as we were, yet without sin. He was the sinless man who walked in this earth. And then he was judged. And he was sent to the cross to die for an unjust penalty. But was that penalty unjust? No, because he took our sins. He took my sins. He took your sins. He took everything we ever did wrong and he died with it and then he was raised to life with it. All that, why? To restore fellowship. To restore relationship between God and man. And this is what he said. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. To help you And to be with you forever. This is good company on the inside. Everything Jesus did for us was so that we could have good company on the inside. So that we can accomplish the plan of God. And we could have a relationship with God. Those two things matter. He will be with us forever. Relationship. And he will help us. Help us do what? Help us accomplish a certain purpose. That's fellowship. So he comes in and he lives with us in order for us to have good company to live with and to walk with. Let's go back to the example of Peter and John. Let me talk specifically about Peter. Before Jesus died and was resurrected, Peter was a, quite a bold strong character, but he was also a bit volatile. There was a point where he denied Jesus three times, right? He said, I will never deny you. And then, you know, when push comes to shove and things start happening in the garden, he panics. And, you know, at the trial of Jesus in the middle of the night, he rejects Jesus. And then when he meets the resurrected Jesus, Jesus restores him. He asks him, you know, Peter, do you love me? Three times. Number of times that Peter denied him, he restores Peter and then Jesus breathes on Peter and says, Receive. He doesn't only do that to Peter, he does that for all the apostles who were with him when he met them. And in John 20 22, he says, He breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. At this point, they were born again. And then he said, I'm leaving. You wait here until you receive the promise. Of the baptism in the Holy Spirit where you will receive power from on high. And then when you receive that power, you're going to go into all the world. And you'll never be alone again. And I will be with you forever until the end of this age. So at this point, Peter receives the baptism in the Holy Spirit. As soon as he does that, he we see through the book of Acts through chapter 2 until onwards, that he doesn't keep his mouth shut. It's impossible for him to keep his mouth shut. He just starts going around, preaching down fire, talking to people. And one day, 3,000 get baptized and believe in Jesus. And the next day, there's an amazing miracle that happens. And then they get arrested leading up to this point in Acts chapter 4. And even during their arrest, their fruits are so effective that 5,000 people more come to faith and join the church. So without the good company on the inside, it was impossible for Peter to accomplish what he accomplished. But then there's a second part to that, which leads me back to the main scripture of this month, which is Acts chapter four, verse 23, that they were let go and they went back to their own company. So they had good company on the inside and then they had good company on the outside that they could go back to. That's tremendously important. I will testify of this in a little bit, but this is the next part that I really wanted to talk about, good company on the outside. So, I want to read from this verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is what the all the apostles and the disciples and the whole church that came together in the in the early times of the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, if church doesn't look like that, you need to wonder where you are. Okay, this is what church should look like. These are Key elements. The apostles' teaching, which was passed down directly from Jesus. Fellowship, which is what we're talking about today. We're talking about what it looks like. And the breaking of bread, which is what we just did during worship. And prayer, which is something that we do together, which is something that we do during our believers' meetings, which is something that we do during our grow groups, which is something that we do during our grow group leaders' meetings. And this is something that we do individually in our lives. But this is the core part of what church looks like. And fellowship is in there. Fellowship is a key component that we're going to talk about and we're going to really, really dig into. We see here in verse 44 that it says, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. All the believers were together together. I'm emphasizing these points so that you can see how important it was to the success of each and every single person who ever accomplished anything in the plan of God, that they were always together, that they were joined to people, that they went out into the world together. In fact, you will not see any time in the Bible that God sent out anyone on their own, apart from when Judas went alone and betrayed Jesus. So this is a key component. And actually, as I was studying for this message and I was asking the Lord, he shared with me what it would look like practically. And I don't, I don't mean, you know, I heard a voice. I don't mean any of this. But I mean, he revealed it to me in scripture as I was reading. And he made it plain to me that this is what fellowship looks like. Practically speaking, it means this, it means sharing burdens together, it means sharing resources, and it means sharing responsibilities. Everything that we talk about, or everything that I would say here, I would need to back up from scripture, otherwise it means nothing. I encourage every single person, because we say at Go Church that we are self-feeders, right? We come here once a month, we go to grow groups, but the rest of the time we are self-feeders. We have a Bible plan that we read every single day together, okay? And we encourage every single person with the podcast and and with all of the supplemental materials and with all of the action points that we encourage you to do all week, we self-feed. And we study these things out for ourselves. And this is the point this should grow in you over the course of the month. And this should bubble up in you where you see it every single place. You open the scriptures in the most unexpected places and you would see this, the reality of fellowship. You would see the reality of what it looks like. So let me help you out. I encourage you this week to read Acts chapter one through Acts chapter six and find this. Find where the disciples and all the church came together and exercised this kind of fellowship. I was thinking, how would I show this to you in scripture? I was thinking, should I, should I show them this in, in the book of Acts? Should I show them this in the life of Peter, and the life of Paul? But I said, let me do one better today. Let me show you this in the life of Jesus. Let me show you how Jesus needed fellowship in his ministry to get through and to accomplish the plan of God. Remember, Jesus was with God and He was God. But when He came to earth, Philippians tells us that He emptied Himself of all power and He became a man and He was tempted all, at all points, just like we were, yet without sin. And He had to rely on His good company on the inside, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, to get Him through what God called Him to do. So, He set this example for us to accomplish in the world. He set us this example so that we can walk by it. So let me show you this in scripture. Let me show you three instances in the life of Jesus where he shares burdens, he shares resources, and he shares responsibilities with the people that were called to be around him. Can you guys remember a time when Jesus was heavily burdened? Yes, yes. Thank you. Matt has the notes. He's cheating, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that was one of the most difficult times in the life of Jesus. It was that night where he first, you know, had, the, had administered communion with his apostles, with his disciples at the time. And then he was expecting... For his crucifixion to come soon. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane together. And he was heavily, heavily, heavily burdened. He was tempted to the point of sweating blood. That's never happened to me. I don't think that's happened to many people. But he was tempted to that point where his soul, which is his, his emotions and his mind, were so under pressure... And we were so um, crushed down that he was sweating blood. And this is what he says during that time Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here with me. Sorry, stay here and keep watch with me. In his most difficult moment, Jesus was asking his disciples to stay and watch with him. Watch in faith, watch in the Spirit, watch in prayer. Why was he so tempted? He was tempted to abort the plan of God at that moment. He knows that he could have called down angels that would have just delivered him from this whole situation. He wouldn't have to endure the the cross, the beating, the chastisement of our peace. He wouldn't have to endure any of that. But he endured the temptation for us. Because if he didn't go to the cross, we would have to. If he wasn't judged, we would have to be. And we wouldn't stand up to that. So thank God that while we were still sinners, he loved us. Thank God that while we were his enemies, he did this for us. But during his most difficult time, he took Peter. He took John and James, the two brothers, and he asked them to help him. He asked them to watch with them. I could show you many more examples of where in scripture we see a sharing of burdens and a sharing of, of help. And actually, this is, this is back in the main scripture. Peter and John went back to their own company. What happened? They shared burdens. They prayed for them. They prayed for boldness. They prayed to be able to accomplish the plan of God no matter what was coming their way. Second example here is sharing resources. I don't know if many people have seen this or many people have really taken the time to dig into this. But think about this. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, emptied himself of all power, came to earth to live as a man, to accomplish the plan of God. His ministry was about three years long. He had 12 disciples and he had many more following him. And he also had other women who were following him. In order to accomplish the plan of God, the women were sharing of their resources, were sharing of their material wealth to support Jesus and the disciples. Let me show you this in scripture. Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through to 3. Soon afterwards, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others, who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. If the King of Kings and Lord of Lords himself came and demonstrated what fellowship looks like by sharing resources, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be able or shouldn't be, we be willing to share our resources and of our material wealth and of our time and of our effort and of our mind and of our care to the Lord's work to accomplish what he wants to do? Whether that means through other people or that means that we go ourselves and we receive resource and requirements to do that. This is not the only time in scripture where you find this. You also find this in the book of Acts where I asked you to, you know, go back in and study this out. That there is, in order to accomplish the plan of God in the world, we need to share resources. We need to be able to put our force, our strength, and everything that we have together to accomplish this plan and to move forward. Now, the third part I wanted to share is... Fellowship looks like this when there is a sharing of responsibilities in order to accomplish the plan of God. In the case of Jesus, I could show you many, many times where he shared his responsibility during his ministry. One example would be where he gave authority to his disciples to go out, cast out demons, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, proclaim the good news. And he sent them out two by two, by the way. He never sent them out alone. Imagine receiving that much authority, that much power, and still being asked to go with someone to do that. That's a demonstration of what the Lord is trying to do. We're never meant to go out alone. Why is that? That's because there's an enemy. And that's because in the world... There can be trouble. Jesus said, you know, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So in him, we are victors. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. But we also need to understand who our enemy is. And we need to understand how the devil operates. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion to seek whom he may devour. If any of you have watched National Geographic or the Discovery Channel, you know how predators work. They don't attack the biggest, strongest bull in the herd. They wait until one sick, slow bull leaves the pack. One 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 opportunity presents itself and he attacks. So the Lord always asks us to flock together like sheep in a flock. So that we can walk together, we can remain strong when the wolf comes. At the end, we have a good shepherd we have the best shepherd we have someone who's always going to protect us but if we wander away and we do our own thing and we're not in the place and in the plan things can come our way and that's a fact but let me show you another example in the ministry of Jesus where he shares responsibilities antoine that's you he shared his responsibilities with us. That was the last thing he said before he went up to heaven. That is what we call the great commission. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Turn to your neighbor and say, therefore, go. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of this age. So, sharing responsibility is not something Jesus only did in the past when he was on earth. Sharing responsibility is something he is doing with us right now. It's something that he has asked us to do together. He told us, that all authority has been given to us because all authority has been given to him. So through him, we have this authority and we should go and we should accomplish his plan and his purpose. In this picture, I really have nothing good to say. I don't, I don't have a point for this picture. I just thought it was really funny. If you're interested in baptism, please do not reach out to Pastor Matt or Pastor Julie because they might keep you in a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I called you out. Good shot though. No but in reality we do baptism services once in a while. We're planning on on being more active with that. If you're interested in baptism, do reach out. It's a it's an amazing time. It's it's a it's one of the most important things or actions that we could ever do based on our faith. So let me introduce this third topic. And I think this topic is going to really be a point of discussion during our grow groups. I'm going to talk about a personal story here. And this is actually a story of when last year in July, I got sick. Good start to a testimony, huh? I, uh, I was traveling for work and I caught COVID. So I was in Munich, first day I get there, I'm super excited to to get my things done. Then I started feeling rough and I ended up, you know, in my hotel room for three days thinking, okay, my flight's on Friday, my flight's on Friday. I just wanna leave, I just wanna get home. And no one here judge me, okay? You've all broken COVID restrictions at some point, somewhere, somehow, don't judge me. But that's all I could think about. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to wear my mask the whole time. So no one sees that I'm like sniffly and no one hears me cough. And, you know, every single time I felt this dry cough coming up, I would like, I'd hold it in so hard that like I'd start tearing up. So people are watching me on the train. Is this, is this guy crying? What's the deal? What's going on with him? So I decided to get mints. I don't know if you guys know Ricola mints. They're kind of like Hall's mints. And every single time I felt this like little itch, this little urge to cough, I would pop a mint. And I popped about 16 mints before I got to the airport. Have you ever read the back of the packaging? May cause laxative effect. It's real. I found that out in a Munich toilet. Sorry to be so graphic. (laughs) But I made it on the plane and I got home. I started getting better. And then I, uh, I started getting worse again. I'm like, what's going on? At some point, you know, I was getting fever. I don't know what the deal is. Then I started seeing like these breakouts on my skin. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is. So I, I went to the doctor. And uh, I'm like, listen, what's going on? They got really excited. They're like, oh, it might be monkeypox. Yes. I'm like, why are you so excited? <laughs> this is not good news. Monkeypox is not a good thing. It's like, but it would be the second case in the whole of Lebanon. Uh, okay, still not good, you know. Um, so everyone would look at me at the, at the hospital and they would see, oh, this is the monkeypox case. This is him. This is it. So they would give me special treatment. Then they found out it was just chicken pox. They're like, oh, okay, whatever. Just this way. <laughs> they, they stopped giving me all this uh, preferential treatment. But anyways, I went through this really hard period. And there was a point where I looked at myself in the mirror. I couldn't recognize myself. I had these, like, these spots everywhere. And I'm like, this is surreal. This is horrible. And it got me thinking about this guy in the Bible. His name is Job. Have you ever heard of Job? So it got me thinking about how he must have felt during his difficult times. Job, let me give you the backstory. Job was a very blessed man. He was a rich man, amazing business, amazing family, amazing kids. God had blessed him beyond blessing. And many of us who know this story have always fixated on the kind of questions which are like, why did this happen to Job? Why did all this difficulty happen? Why did God do this? Frankly, these are the easy questions to answer. God didn't do it to Job. We have the backstory. The devil did it to Job. Job was a man outside of covenant. He didn't have covenant with God. The devil had access to him. Job was in the world. The Bible says that the world, in the world, the devil is the God of this age the prince of this world. He has access to those who are in the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. So as long as we maintain our heavenly identity, he has no access. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. But Job's case was different. These are the easy questions to answer. The the difficult question, which I realized during my time of difficulty is, why did Job have such bad company? In Job 2, when so the devil starts inflicting Job. Job loses his business, in the same day he loses his kids, and, and then he gets sick, beyond sick, to a point where he he's in pain. He says, I can't even I, I, I want to swallow one time for it not to hurt. That's it. And during this difficult time, first of all, in Job chapter 2, verse 9, his wife comes to him and says. Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. That's the good company he had around him. But do you know that we are either presenting the voice of God to people and presenting the truth of God to people, or we're taking the identity of the devil and allowing the devil to work through us? That statement by his wife sounds like the devil to me. Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Why is it God? Why God? Why God? It wasn't God who did this to him. God was his solution. And then he has three friends that come visit him. The best thing those three friends did were get there, tear their clothes, and shut up for a week. That was the best thing they did. The problem is when they started speaking. And the comments go from bad to worse. Job chapter four, verse seven. This is his first friend, Eliphaz. The best thing about these guys is their names, by the way. Eliphaz. Bildad, Zophar—not not, not the easiest names—but anyways, Job chapter four verse seven. Consider now, who, being innocent, has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? They start accusing Job. You must have done something wrong. That's why you're sick. That's why you're in a mess. You must have sinned against God. So God is pronouncing judgment on you. The next friend tops the comment to a grieving man who lost everything and his family. Job chapter 8 verse 4, when your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. He's saying your kids sinned against God, so this happened to you. He's grieving his kids, they're, all, they're, they're gone. He lost them to, to terrible disaster. And we see this back and forth between him and his three friends, which for the sake of this message, let's call them bad company. He had this back and forth with them for around 30 chapters of the book. Do you know when his story starts changing? So historically, or scripturally, the, the, the Bible says that his trial was not years, it was months. Okay, Historically, we can see that his, um, his trial was around 9 to 10 months. So it wasn't forever, it was a bad year. And the point where his situation changed is the point where he started experiencing good company in his life. So there was a fourth person called Elihu who was there listening to these conversations and listening to these old men bicker. He was a younger man. Thank God for young people. Um, And at this point, Elihu is the voice of reason, is the voice of truth in his life. This is the good company that comes along and says, Stop looking at yourself. Stop accusing God. Look at the reality of the situation and turn to God for help. This is what he said to him. And in a nutshell, it goes over a few chapters of the book, but this is what he says. So I want to say this to you. Good company doesn't always tell you what you want to hear. Good company challenges you in different ways. Good company challenges you about what you say, about what you're hearing, about what you're thinking, about what you're doing. Good company challenges you and challenges you to go in the right direction. This is what fellowship's about. We pick each other up and we start taking each other in the correct direction. You see, Elihu came along and that was good company on the outside and then With that encouragement, with that challenge to Job, Job changes his perspective and starts seeking God. And then he meets God himself directly. And then God challenges him and challenges him about the way he's been thinking about the problem, about the the things that he's been focusing on. Because he's been focusing about me, 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 my trial, my problem, my this. He hasn't been focusing on this solution which he found through the good company that he had in Elihu. And then when God himself showed up, that was the best company that he ever got. The turning point is when Job looks at God and says, you know, at some point I had heard of you, but now I see you. And this is when our situation can turn around. And this is when our situation can go in the right direction. When we go from hearing about God to talking about God to philosophizing about God to seeing God in our lives. So this is a bad company story that turns into a good company story. I know I cut my testimony halfway through, but let me go back to it. This is my testimony. Okay? Number one, yes, I believe in healing. We believe in healing. God has healed us through the redemption in Jesus. And I'm healed, aren't I? I'm standing here talking to you. I'm healed. But the real testimony that I got out of this is I realized the good company I had in my life. I realized that there were different people at different points who supported me in different ways during that difficulty. I remember when I was just confused about what was going on the second time round, and I told Roy I'm going to the hospital. He, he canceled his whole work day just to come with me, just to show up and be present. And then he looked at me, he's like, okay. <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> But um, I had that moral support with me, you know. Julie would call me up every single day, check on me, ask about me, encourage me. I had that emotional support. Siala would always be there. She's always there for me every single time I'm in a mess. Any single time. She's always picking me up, you know. Sometimes a bit harsh, but you know, it's okay. And then there was a point where I was asking all these like deep spiritual questions. Like, I must have missed it. Why did I get sick? What happened? I don't know what. I shouldn't have gone on this trip. I knew I had a check not to go on this trip. I don't know. What. I'm talking to Roy this way. The next morning, Matt calls me up. And he, he tells me, I've been praying for you. And God told me to tell you that you didn't miss it. It's not your fault. But there's a devil in this world. And he is trying to sift you like wheat. He's trying to separate your faith from you. But I have prayed for you. And Jesus has prayed for you. Do you know that Jesus is in heaven forever interceding for us? He's praying for us right now. He's helping us right now. He was on earth, but now he's in heaven still praying for us. So I got my moral support. I got my emotional support. I got my spiritual support from my good company. My sister and my brother-in-law here today, they were part of my emotional support as well. They were checking on me every single day. So this is my testimony. The people who you see here and the people who are not on the screen, this is my testimony. And this should be your testimony too. Because in the world, there will be trouble, trouble, but be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And thank God for the people around you who lift you up, who challenge you to keep walking in the right direction. So in closing today, I want to leave these questions with you. Number one, do you have good company in your life? And do you have the fellowship that God intended for you to be able to walk through this life and walk in the plan of God in this life. And number two, are you being good company where you need to be? Are you being a support? Are you being a help? Are you being what God asked you to be? Remember, the only commandment we have in this world from Jesus is to love each other as he has loved us. By this everyone will know that we are his disciples because we have love one for another. Do you realize that we cannot fulfill this commandment unless we have fellowship? It's impossible to fulfill his commandment if we're on our own. So are you fulfilling this commandment by walking in the fellowship you're supposed to walk with?